Welcome to the Gen Z Stoic Podcast, where every week we strive to lead younger generations on a path to virtue through the insight of Stoic teachings and personal stories from our lives as Gen Z Stoics. Welcome to the Gen Z Stoic Podcast. I'm your co-host, Ren, and we're going to be continuing our series of Stoic readings with today reading Letter 2 from Seneca's Letters from a Stoic. Now, as I've stated many times before, and I probably will state for a couple more episodes, I like to begin, or not necessarily begin, but for the audience, begin with what I personally caption or title this letter as. I find that reading comprehension-wise, when I make my own title following what I read, I can comprehend what the the brief letter is articulating much better than if I were to not do that. So today's letter is on nourishment. And this doesn't mean nourishment in terms of what I eat, how I take care of my body, but nourishment more of the soul. So let's get right into letter two. Seneca begins by saying, Judging from what you tell me and from what I hear, I feel that you show great promise. You do not tear from place to place and unsettle yourself with one move after another. Restlessness of that sort is symptomatic of a sick mind. Nothing to my way of thinking is a better proof of a well-ordered mind than a man's ability to stop just where he is and pass some time in his own company. This does not really require that much translation. I think he doesn't define this restlessness well. He just says tearing from place to place and selling yourself with one move after another. The The thing that comes to mind for me is how many how many times, or maybe this applies to you, have you heard someone say that they can't be alone with their own thoughts? And I think this is what Seneca is highlighting here. Obviously, it's not too much of a stretch to conclude that. But those people who can't be alone with their thoughts, so they have to be around other people all of the time or doing something fun all of the time, the people who just can't set aside a specific amount of time to get be productive, go do things, or be alone, be isolated, people who can't be alone with their own thoughts, I, I don't really fault them because in today's society, it, it is hard to be alone with your own thoughts, especially... As a guy, we still have those kind of stigmas about mental health and all of that good jazz. So it's very easily to it's very easy to get isolated, especially as a man in today's society. However, what Seneca is saying here is that we have to be somewhat comfortable with that idea. We have to be able to conduct ourselves in isolation to a certain degree, because just bouncing around from place to place, searching for fun, searching for things to distract you from your problems or your thoughts is no healthy way to live. It's no healthy way to deal with the problem, and it's really a purposeless way to live. And that's why I, he says here it's symptomatic of a sick mind. It makes sense, right? We have a bunch of people who are like that now, and we see record levels of mental illness in our generation. Wow, what a crazy concept that Seneca was exactly right on this one. All right, he continues by saying, Be careful, however, that there is no element of discursiveness and desultoriness about this reading you refer to, this reading of many different authors and books of every description. You should be extending your stay among writers whose genius is unquestionable, deriving constant nourishment from them if you wish to gain anything from your reading that will find a lasting place in your mind. To be everywhere is to be nowhere. People who spend their whole life traveling abroad end up having plenty of places where they can find hospitality, but no real friendships. Now, I kind of want to just stop here. I really like, you know... This is one of my Seneca things I 
why Seneca appeals to me is that he's teaching, he's teaching, and then he just drops like an absolute awesome quote. So he's teaching, he's teaching about the writers that Lucilius has told him about that he's reading so much of. And then he just drops the quote, to be everywhere is to be nowhere, which, you know, doesn't really, it relates to the situation, but it's just kind of dropped out of nowhere. And I really love that. And it's absolutely true. Um, this whole this whole letter is about how we really find a purpose, how we aren't restless, and how we continue to just go, 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 but with a purpose instead of just bouncing around from place to place aimlessly. Now, there's something to be said. There's the concept of amorphity and loving your fate, and so just going where you know the wind takes you. But there's a difference between that and having kind of accepting your purpose and then accepting your fate. I think... When we talk about the concept of amorphity, yes, you need to absolutely love your fate, and that's one way that you are more easily able to say, that's outside of my control, it's up to fate, I'm not going to get upset about it. So that's good, but using it to the nth degree where you're saying, oh, I'm just going to accept anything and I'm going to go do whatever somebody tells me, like if I get invited to this thing, I'm going to go. There are times, yes, where, you know, you get invited to a party, go to the party, have fun, you know. Life is not supposed to just be one boring thing. Now, philosophy tells you to be disciplined, and so that means that you don't. every time you get invited, you don't just automatically say yes. Sometimes, like Seneca says here, you need to pass some time in your own company. You need to isolate for a little bit, take a reset. We have a good podcast episode on that. But let's continue here. Seneca says, Food that is vomited up as soon as it is eaten is not assimilated into the body and does not do one any good. Nothing hinders a cure so much as frequent changes of treatment. A wound will not heal over if it is being made the subject of experiments with different ointments. A plant which is frequently moved never grows strong. Seneca is making four strong examples here for his teaching. So for people who say that the Stoics didn't really know what they were talking about, another thing I love from Seneca, here's my teaching and here's four examples that when you actually think about it make a lot of sense and are common items like food, medicine, plants, if you move a plant 20 times, it probably isn't, it's not going to have success. Same thing if you're treating, like Seneca says here, you're treating an illness. You don't want to switch treatment every single day. You want to give it some time, see what happens and see if it works out. And that's actually a theme of life is that when you're trying new things, don't just give it a day. You're trying a new thing, give it a week, give it a month. We talked about how it takes four weeks to build habits. So try that thing for four weeks, and if it's something you don't like, then you, you can stop the habit. But if you do like it, you actually found out fully what it's about because you took more than a day or a second before giving up. And now you truly know what you're in for, and so you can make that informed decision. But if you're somebody who just like kind of goes with the flow and changes what they're doing every single week, you're never going to really get the full picture of what that activity you, you were doing was. Because you don't get the full experience of anything in a week. And that's the beauty of being a human being. Is like, take for example, I go to the gym. Every single day it seems like there's new people in there. There's new experiences to be had. There's new people to talk to. Now, I really don't like talking to people when I go to the gym. I get locked in. I listen to my music and I hit my sets. But for people who do like that kind of stuff, you're not going to meet everybody who goes to the gym within a week. And that's, I think, kind of an offshoot of what Seneca is saying here is that don't be restless because you're going to miss out on the best opportunities that life has to offer because you don't get that immediate satisfaction, that instant gratification. You say, well, this isn't worth it. But good things take time. Things that are worth the effort are going to require you to work your butt off to get them. 
if great things in life, if living in a mansion, providing for your family, having this great, awesome relationship, and having an awesome family with kids, with dogs, all of that kind of like white picket dream, and you've provided for yourself, you have what is essential, what is necessary, and you've taken care of those who have taken care of you in the past, none of that comes easy. If it did, everybody would be happy and we'd have very few problems in life if everybody was that easily fulfilled. But the reason that we see such high divorce rates, well, I won't really get into that because there's a lot of reasons for that. But the reason why we see so many unhappy families, so many unhappy people, especially in America, is because we've gone from doing that hard work that's necessary to get those fulfilling lives to saying, well, this is too hard. Let me go do this easy route and maybe it provides me some money or something, but it's not really fulfilling. I like money too. Money's great. But money has to come with a purpose. If you have money just to say, hey, look, I have money, then what's the point? The reason to have money to have wealth is to provide yourself the essentials and what you need to live a fulfilling life and then provide for others around you. He goes into what Lucilius is talking about in terms of writing a letter to him saying, oh, I'm reading all these great philosophical writers just for some context. Nothing is so useful that it can be of any service in the mere passing. A multitude of books only gets in one's way. If you are unable to read all the books in your possession, you have enough when you have all the books you are able to read. And if you say, but I feel like opening different books at different times, my answer will be this. Tasting one dish after another is the sign of a fussy stomach. Where the foods are dissimilar and diverse in range, they lead to con contamination of the system, not nutrition. So always read well-tried authors, and if at any moment you find yourself wanting a change from a particular author, go back to the ones you have read before. Now, honestly, I, I might disagree with this here. Uh, I think what Seneca is saying in terms of well-tried authors and unquestionably genius authors, yes. Vet your authors and read the ones who seem the most qualified and the most intelligent. I agree with this. I also agree with there is a limit to the amount of reading that you should do. If you're constantly flipping between books, that's no good. But if you finish one book, you have some takeaways, and you say, oh, this book connects to it, and I want to read that. And you just continually skip through those books, but you're like taking notes, and you understand what's going on. That's perfectly fine. I think reading is one of the best things in the world. Every time you read a book, you learn something very, very valuable about life that you can then go apply, especially when it comes to philosophy. So maybe because I'm a philosophy nut and I'm always reading philosophy, not only Stoicism, but many, many other schools, maybe that's just me. But I feel like reading is so inherently valuable that maybe Seneca is a little bit off here. You don't want to go through 20 pages of a book, say, I don't like it, throw it away and go find a new book. But once you finish that book and you comprehend what's going on and you read critically, which is a skill that maybe we're lacking a little bit nowadays, if we admit that to ourselves. But if we do that, then there should be nothing wrong with going from book to book. As long as you're taking the time to actually read the book in depth and not just glossing over it or reading it because, oh, you know, it's a self-help book. And that's the one exception I think here. Those people who think that a book is going to fix their lives, that's not necessarily true. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even go to say that these Stoic books fixed my life, but they're helpful tools. So just don't rely on them to go fixing your life Saying, oh, what the smart dude wrote, what the smart woman wrote. Oh, it's going to change my life completely. I'm going to read the, this text and complete 360 in my life, and I'm going to be on the right track. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. You have to have the mindset first and the purpose and your path. And then books are tools to aid you in your journey. And that's the way that we should look at them.
So finally, Seneca says, each day too, acquire something which will help you to face poverty or death and other ills as well. After running over a lot of different thoughts, pick out one to be digested thoroughly that day. This is what I do myself. Out of the many bits I have been reading, I lay hold of one. My thought for today is something I found in Epicurus. He talks about how Epicureans were the enemy, philosophically speaking, of Stoics. And so it's ironic that he is reading that, but he says he's doing it as a way of reconnaissance, not as a deserter. A cheerful poverty, he says, is an honorable state. But if it is cheerful, it is not poverty at all. It is not the man who has too little who is poor, but the one who hankers after more. What difference does it make how much there is laid away in a man's safe or in his barns, how many head of stock he grazes, or how much capital he puts out at interest, if he is always after what is another's and only counts what he has yet to get, never what he has already? You ask, what is the proper limit to a person's wealth? First, having what is essential, and second, having what is enough. And that concludes letter two. This is the part that ties directly into nourishment. We've talked about this in the podcast many times, probably mostly me because I love this lesson. But when we think about the man or woman living on the street, the homeless person living on the street, and they have their sign, and they look kind of ragged, and then you see maybe a Lamborghini pulls up next to you, and it's this dude in a business suit, and he's flexing, he's got all this cool stuff. Now everybody's going to assume, wow, that person in the Lamborghini is doing a lot better for himself than the person standing on the corner of the street asking for money. That's not always true. If a homeless person, for example, you know, is being altruistic and helping people out in that community, the people who are without a job, without a house, and maybe they have a dog with them or something, and they feel like nourished, they feel fulfilled because they're at least doing something for other people versus that rich guy has all these great possessions, but he doesn't have any family to share it with. He got to the top by betraying other people, and so he's not very likable. He's not fulfilled. And what Seneca's saying here is that all this wealth, all these possessions are great, but if they don't come along with purpose and with fulfillment, and really, I think, without the use for other people, now I'm, I'm just adding that. I'll give that note. I'm just adding that. Then, ultimately... It's not worth it. And you'd rather actually be that person living on the street not having a home than having all those great things if you don't have anybody to share it with. And it's something that's kind of a counterintuitive thought. We'd always think, oh, well, having money's great. But listen to all those people, you know, that some people make jokes like, oh, I have all this money and it is great. Like, haha. But the people who truly get it say, having all this money's not worth it. Because you do reach a limit. He says, what is the proper limit to a person's wealth? Having what is essential and having what is enough. Think of all those people who have exceeded that. Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, those people have exceeded that limit tenfold, at least. And yet, they aren't shouting from the rooftops how happy they are. Now, I'm, I'm sure both of those gentlemen are perfectly happy, but they also have families and they have a purpose. Uh Bezos and Musk's purpose are both questionable, I will say that, but at least they do have a purpose, and you can see that in the way that they act and the actions that they take. But it's just another beautiful quote from Seneca here, and it's actually interesting that he takes it from another teaching from kind of an enemy philosophical school, and he just alters it. Alters it to, ultimately, what is a better view? We don't need to call cheerful poverty. It's not a thing. Because what does poverty mean? Poverty is a negative connotation. It means you are poor. It means you are lacking. If you're cheerful, if you're fulfilled, what are you lacking? Sure, you're lacking a possession. 
But you can't take those possessions with you when you leave this world. You know what you can take with you? The mindset and the legacy that you left. And so wealth, while yes, it certainly relates to possessions, it almost matters more how you use them. And so when we talk about nourishment, stick on your path, be consistent, give new things a couple weeks, don't bounce around from place to place. And when you finally find something that sticks, make sure that the benefits that you find from it are used for other people and used to enhance your legacy and your reputation so that you leave the earth a better place than what you found it. And if any school of philosophy can teach you how to do that, I think that was the goal of the philosophers, is to teach you how to leave the world a better place and be a better person. That's what Seneca is outlining here. That being said, this has been Letter 2 from Letters from a Stoic. Stoic reading number 3. Thank you for listening. Be sure to tune in to next Stoic reading, Friday at noon, and our new episodes, always dropping Monday at noon. Thank you.